Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the good worship and great time of coming before the Lord. If you got your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn first to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to use this kind of to introduce to where we're going, but we're going to preach out of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 4. And um, I'll, how many of y'all praying for revival and planning on being here? Amen. Well, some of us are. How many's praying for revival and planning on being here? Amen. All right. Well, you ever thought about what revival really is? It's only four people who are saved. And the only people that's going to get saved is people who really, truly mean they want God to restore them, to renew them to where they should be in the first place. If, and we all, because we leak, need revival. Amen. Someone said revivals don't work. They don't last. Well, neither do showers, but we keep taking one. Amen. And some of us are stinking this morning in the eyes of God, so we need to let the Lord wash us right now and clean us and renew us. Because if you didn't shower, sooner or later, one of us would say something to you. Amen. Because it's hot out there. But you know, this morning, you may not realize it, but if you can't remember the last time you got on your knees and got right with God and humbled yourself and confessed and said, Lord, forgive me and help me. I want to be better. You, you probably need a good washing in the blood this morning. Amen. But I want us to look this morning on the topic of where the spirit moves. Because that's what revival is. Wherever revival occurs, it's going to be a major moving of the Holy Spirit of God in the people of God to a way that he interrupts us. He changes us. He brings us back to where we should have been in the first place. And so I want to ask you this morning, who can be revived We'll look at that more specifically in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. But I want us to read something. This is, to me, what a revived person looks like and should be acting like. If you look at me at the end of 1 Thessalonians, the Bible says in verse 16, if you dare say amen. All right, look at what he says. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We should be joyful people who are rejoicing over the goodness of what God has done for us. We should be in communion with God, not only asking him for things, but just thanking him and praising him with a grateful heart. He says, in everything, giving thanks, for this is the will of God. But then that's what we should do. That's the positive part. But then what happens is when we don't do what we're supposed to do and We don't live the way we should. He says, do not quench the Spirit of God. You see, a person who's saved is born again. God's spiritual life is in him. And now the Spirit has its ability to work in you and make you into the person God created you to be. The reason he redeemed you so that you could be born again. And he put spiritual life into you. But we can live a way that the Bible says quenches the spirit and if you continually do things that quench the spirit in such an habitual way eventually you will quench the spirit and so when the spirit has been quenched when it's been grieved to where he's not at work in your life the way he was when he first saved you you need revival and you're going to hear things from the word of God he says do not despise prophecies that's the word of God Do not look at the word of God as something that you don't have to have, something you don't want. You should be looking and being hungry for the word of God. And he says, test all things. 
Hold fast to what is good. You do. You need to look at your life. You need to examine your life to me. Not me. Not what we think about you, but what you and God. You need to grade your own paper, as Brother Dennis says all the time. And you need to understand that God doesn't grade on a curve. Can I get an amen? He is a good judge. He always judges just and righteously. But he's also merciful. And he tells us right there, abstain from every form of evil. And then this is the verse that I want us to look at. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That's what revival is. It's us being set apart, being sanctified, not only declared holy, but being actually made in the holiness of God. And that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see... You're more than what we see today. Look at your neighbor and say, I thank God you're more than you look like. (laughs) There's more to you than what we see. (laughs) Some of us, that's scary. But the good news is you're more than this old body of clay that's dying daily and getting old and wearing out. You're also soul and spirit. You see, we're created in the image of God. The Bible says God has revealed himself to us as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's three different aspects of who God is in the fullness of God, the completeness of the Godhead in the fullness. There's the Father, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and they're all equally God. And if you have ever been saved, they've all equally been involved in your life, or you couldn't have got saved. You see, just like God is a trinity, we're a trinity, Man is a a spirit, a soul, and a body. The Bible says in the beginning when God created us, that God created man in his image. And the Bible says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. That's the body. He formed Adam and he he took him from the clay. He made a body. And then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's the spirit of God. And man became a living soul. Your soul, who you are, where your heart is manifested and your attitude and your personality and your emotions are all at work. That's you. That's your soul. It will live forever. And there's a part of you that is the body and that's where your soul lives. Your soul right now is in this body. But the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. One day the soul is going to depart this old body of clay. But guys, there was another part of the body. There is the spiritual part. That's the part that got messed up in the garden. And friends, I want you to think about this with me this morning. The Bible says that God desires for us. That he's at work. That may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. You know, we don't realize this. But your spirit man affects your earthly man. And your fleshly man can affect your spiritual man. And it's all experienced in your soul and your heart. You see, we don't really think and understand that it's a balance. You see, some of us are so spiritual and we're all into the spirit and we're seeking Jesus, but we really don't think about this body. I was like this not long ago. 
And we don't take care of this body and we neglect this body. And, oh, we're spiritual. We go to church. We read the Bible, but we eat things we shouldn't eat and we don't take care of it. Have you figured out yet when the body is unhealthy, it can make you feel unhealthy in your spirit? But when the body's healthy and it feels good, and and there's going to be a degree of suffering sooner or later because of sin. But, guys, listen, the body has the ability... To affect your spiritual man. But I want you to understand this. There's some of us. All you're focused on is your physical man. Oh you're dieting. You're exercising. You're trying to do everything to look good. But you ain't taking care of your spiritual man. And your spiritual man. You may look wonderful. You may be so focused though on inches and pounds. That you've lost focus of Jesus Christ. In your spiritual well-being. If that happens to you, you're unhealthy. And it will result in the fact that the Spirit of God will be grieved in you and you won't experience it. I'm going to just give you a testimony. I am trying to lose weight. It's not hard, easy to do for me living with Diane. No, I'm, I'm joking there. But all kidding aside, me and her made a commitment a while back. I had some health things. And I went to the doctor finally and the doctor told me some stuff. And I never thought I would do this, but I am eating healthy. We are eating salads at night and call it flour crust pizza and diet cheese. And we're watching what we eat. I've lost a whole 20 pounds and I'm kind of stuck, but I lost 20 pounds, praise God. But you know, there were some other things. I wasn't sleeping good. I had some issues. It was inherited. It could have been from being overweight. It could be also from being older. But anyway, I snored like you wouldn't believe and I was not getting good sleep. I was always tired. I was always fatigued. I got up. I just, I could fall asleep. I was more sleeping in that office than I did working for the Lord. I did it and go to sleep. I could sit still and just fall asleep. So I went to the doctor and I found out I had sleep apnea. And they told me, we want you to wear this little thing. And I'm like, oh man, rednecks don't do that. But I was desperate. You ever got desperate? I was desperate enough. I was tired of being that way. I didn't want to be tired. I wanted to be able to do things I used to be able to do. I, I didn't want to have a stroke. They said my heart was in a fib. So I, I did what the doctor did. I started watching what we eat, and we're eating better. Now, we don't let it control us when we went down with the kids. We're, I'm not worrying as much about inches as being obedient, to be able to tell the Lord, I'm doing better, Lord. I'm striving to eat healthy. And I want you to lead my life. And it's working. I'm gradually moving a pound two here. But I'm feeling a lot better. I'm sleeping better. I'm getting, when I had that sleep apnea, they told me that I stopped breathing 63 times in one night for 10 seconds. And every time I quit breathing for 10 seconds, my oxygen levels went to 70%, low 70s. Well, that affects everything. Well, now I'm working on my health, my, my earth man. And I'm sleeping all night. I wake up wide awake at 5 in the morning. Man, boom, fresh. I don't even have to get up in the middle of the night to do you know what. It's amazing the difference it's made in my life. And I feel like a different person. I'm starting to level off now because now I'm back to normal. And normal becomes normal after a while. I'm the way I should have been. But you know, also that began to affect me to help me feel better. So I began to do better with my quiet time. When you wake up every morning at 5 o'clock this morning, ask Diane at 4 o'clock, I'm up. I'm up. 
I prayed for 30 minutes. I said, well, 4.30, I'm making coffee. At 5, I was out in my shop. That's what I do every morning. It's like God's created this new thing. Well, when you're out there by yourself in the morning, it's just you and God. And you got time to just be you and God. And you're feeling better. So you're, you, he has your attention. You can read better. You can focus better. You can meditate better. And I've just been having extraordinary times with God. So my spirit man, he's been working. I read a book. It's right here. It's called Point Man. was given to me at a strategic time. It's by Steve Fowler. Many of you have it. And that book was used to strategically show God, me by God's word through his spirit, that my spirit man was even sicker and more messed up than my physical man. And I've done some repenting. What did you repent of, preacher? That's between me and Jesus. But I want you to understand something. If you've got things in your spirit, man, that shouldn't be there, and it doesn't even have to be things you shouldn't be doing. If there's a lot of things you ought to be doing that you're not doing, your spiritual man is going to be unhealthy. And if you're a man, spiritual man is unhealthy. You're not in the word. You're not feeding yourself. You're not giving your spirit man the nourishment he needs by praying. That's where you get your breath. By getting in the word and feeding on the milk and the, the, the meat of God's word. That's where you get your nourishment to grow. And the biggest thing is you're abiding in Jesus. Then you're like a branch connected to that vine and his life is flowing into you and the spirit of God is moving in you you're going to be able to see a difference in your life and that's what he wants to do he wants you to be made completely sanctified drawn to the place where he wants you preserved blameless your whole spirit soul and body as a matter of fact the Bible tells us the will of God is for us to be sanctified. Flip one page back. Look at chapter 4. Look at what he says in verse 1 of Thessalonians chapter 4. Finally then, brethren, that saved people, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God. Now I want to ask you, how important is your life Pleasing God. Paul said, we're urging you, brother. We're, in fact, he says, we're exhorting you in the name of the Lord Jesus that you should abound. You should, you should give more effort, more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. A lot of us will walk and run and get on a thing like a hamster to make yourself look good physically. But how do you walk spiritually in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? You may be impressing everybody with this shell that will die. But what's your soul thinking this morning about your spiritual part that connects you with a holy living God? And friends, that's what revival is about. It's about God. He put his spirit. Look at what he says right there. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus for this is the will of God. Look at what that says, that verse. Therefore, he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own body, his vessel, in sanctification and honor. Listen, if this body is living in a way that is not sanctified, that is dishonoring the Lord, it's going to make your spiritual man unhealthy. He said, I don't know if I believe that, preacher. Well, David believed it. When David got all muddled up in his sin, listen to what David said. He said, when I kept silent, my bones grew old. 
through my groaning all the day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my vitality, that's my spiritual strength, my, my vigor, that makes the life worth living, that gives you the ability to, to walk the way it pleases God. He says, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. How many of you knows about the drought of summer? Go out there in that 104 heat for a little while with no drink of water, none of the things you need, and watch how long your vitality lasts. He said, but when I acknowledged you, my sin and my iniquity, I have not hidden. Still, I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgot the iniquity of my sin. And he says, for this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Friends, Every one of us, sooner or later, needs to come to the Lord to get our spiritual man right. Now, the reason we can grow and be saved is what we're fixing to look at in the text that brought me to where we are. That was my invitation. That was my introduction. But you say, well, what is God, how does God make us sanctified? How does he help us to be made whole, spirit, soul, and body? Well, when he saved you, he did an extraordinary thing. He put his spirit in you. He gave you life. And if you got your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And you're going to see today the importance of having a Bible. Because you're not going to get a whole lot trying to remember when you're not studying and looking. The word of God is too much for any man just to be able to sit in here and remember it. You've got to meditate and look. He gave you a written word because it requires one to grow in sanctification, holiness, and live a revived life. And he tells us right here, when you look in chapter 1, he's talking about when you got saved. He said, in him, him being Jesus. In him, you also trusted, past tense, you trusted Jesus one day. When did you trust Jesus? How did you trust Jesus? When you heard the word of truth, this Bible, primarily, specifically, the gospel of your salvation. If you've never heard the gospel of salvation and you haven't been exposed to the word of truth to the point you had understanding knowledge of what it is, you cannot be saved, my friend. Because God takes the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God for salvation. Not Baptist church. Not good attendance. And it says that when in him you trust it, after you heard the word of truth, after you was exposed to preaching, and it says that you called on the name of the Lord, and how shall you call on the name of the Lord unless somebody preaches to you the word of God? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Listen to what he says, and having believed, past tense, having believed at that moment when you Heard the gospel when you was convicted by the Holy Spirit. You was drawn by the Father's will through the power of his spirit to the place where you was not only convicted for sin, but you was drawn to Christ. Because the Bible says you cannot come to the Son unless the Father draws you. And how does the Father draw you? Through his word and through his gospel and by the power of his spirit. He convicts you of your sin. He convinces you and convicts you of Jesus and who he is. And he gives you faith and help to trust him. That's a one-time event when that happened. At that moment, you was at Calvary. You got saved. And then when you got saved, 
Something happened to you that Jesus said being born again. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he shall not enter my kingdom. To the most religious man any of us would ever meet. His name, what was his name? Nicodemus. (laughs) He was a Pharisee. He believed enough in Jesus to sneak to him up at night. And he says, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter my kingdom. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again? And Jesus said, do not marvel that I say a man must be born again. He said, unless you are born of the flesh and of the spirit, you will not enter my kingdom. So what happened? In him, when you trusted Jesus after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the death, burial, and resurrection that Jesus died for you, they buried him. He died for you, but he rose again by the power of God. His spirit raised him, and now he lives to save you. And you believe that at that moment, my friend, the Bible says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And when that happens to you, you don't need a preacher to tell you it happened. They'll never have a preacher convince you it didn't happen. The devil can't tell you it didn't happen because he who lives in you is greater than he who is in the world. And the Spirit of God is in you. And when the Spirit of God is in you, now you are a person who can be revived. You say, well, why ain't I experiencing this Spirit in my life? There's only two reasons. You've grieved him to the point you've quenched him. And you need to repent. And you need to come back to God or you're lost and you don't have him. And Romans 8 said, if the Spirit of God is not in you, you're not His. And it says, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession? I don't know about you, but I thank God that the blood of Jesus was sufficient to pay the redeeming price to purchase us. Amen? We are His possession. He paid the price we couldn't pay. Jesus paid it all. And that's wonderful news, but there's more good news than that. Not only did Jesus' death on the cross and his perfect sinless blood that was shed pay the price to redeem us and he purchased us, but God also at that moment, once his sin, our sins were took away. You know, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of his son, Jesus. And then he put his spirit in us. He sealed us. That's an Old Testament way of talking about Back in the day when there was an important document, a document that had the weight of authority, that had power, that had influence, but it had to be authenticated. The person who gave that letter that of, of authority, he had a special ring, and they had a special kind of wax, and he'd take it, and he'd drop that wax on that document, and he'd push that ring down, and that seal would seal it. And you couldn't open that document without breaking that seal. If you got that document and that seal was broke, it wasn't no guarantee it was real. There was no guarantee it couldn't be a counterfeit. But the guarantee, the promise that it was real was that seal. That's what the Holy Spirit did to me and you. If you are saved, it's going to show up on your life. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, Jesus said, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. You can't get away from it. 
And if God is in you, the hope of glory, Christ in us, he's going to work in you. He's going to make a difference in you. He's going to make you right now as I'm preaching. You may not like it. It may be disturbing you and your whole household. You may realize that preacher's getting in my business. You ought to thank Jesus. Because right now what he's trying to do is sanctify you and your family, your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body. He wants to get all of the immorality out of your life that is grieving him, that is keeping him from blessing you. He's wanting to make your life into something special that he created you for. He's giving you back what was robbed in the garden. You see, what happened in the garden, according to when I read it, God told Adam and Eve, if you take of this forbidden fruit, if it was an apple, I used to not believe it was an apple, but since apple phones, I believe it is. Because that's the forbidden fruit of our generation, that phone you're holding every day. It's doing more damage to you in your life with Jesus than anything else in most of your life because you're constantly addicted to junk on it that you ought not be looking at. That quenches God. But God wants to take that out of your life. But you see, you say, well, I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying church. You think you are. You see, he told Adam and Eve, if you take of that on that day, you will die. He didn't say tomorrow, a hundred years later. He said, the day, go read it, that you take of this forbidden, you will die. They ate of it. But they physically walked out of the garden. They were banned from being in the presence of God. They were kicked out of the paradise God had created us to live. And what God had created and said it is good was no longer what he created it to be. Because something in them died. It was the spiritual. They were dead spiritually. And they may have walked out physically, but God, as they walked out, said, I know it looks bad, but my son's going to take care of the problem. And he's going to die on an old rugged cross. Those animals that I just killed to cover you up, Adam, and to help cover your shame, Eve, is just a picture of what I'm going to do one day when my son dies, the perfect Lamb of God, on the sin of Calvary's cross. And he'll cover, not cover your sin. He'll take away your sin. But in the meantime, innocent animals are going to shed blood till my son comes. And now his son has come. And he saved us. And he put that which the devil robbed from us, the spiritual part of us. We're spirit, soul, and body. And now, my friend, you've been born again. And the spirit man now can overcome the carnal man. But you got to feed the spiritual man. you got to take care of the spiritual man. you got to listen to the spiritual man. you got to make the spiritual man the most important one of the three. And then when you let the spirit man overcome the physical man, he will help you to crucify your flesh. You can't do it on your own. Religion has never done it. It never will. It's a personal relationship with Jesus, dependent on Jesus' supply through his spirit. The spirit gives you the ability to do it. <laughs> it's saying you're getting pretty deep. It is deep. That's what God gave us. And as you walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, guess what you'll say one day? It is well in my soul. It is well. You see, that's why some of you can't sing that and feel that. It is well in my soul. Because if your spiritual man is sick and your physical man is in the not to right place. And the, friends, listen, you've got to take care of your physical man too. 
But guys, God wants to send revival. And revival is letting the Spirit have its place. You see, if you don't have the Spirit in your life, if you're not born again, you're not saved. And He will save you today. He will wash away and take away your sin. It's an unbelievable thing. And He will put Jesus in the place of it. And His Spirit will be in your life. He is the guarantee. Now, how many of you know the difference of a church when you go there a couple times, whether or not the Spirit of God's there? There ain't nothing worse than a dead Baptist church. I'm here to tell you. But they ain't nothing better than a spirit-filled church. I don't care what name is on it. That may offend you. If it does, you may check your spirit. Because Baptists don't have a lock on what churches are spirit-filled. And neither do Pentecostals or any other one. The Lord is the one who fills the church with his spirit. And it ain't in this building. It ain't in our chairs. It ain't in our programs. It's in you and me. And my question today, does the spirit of God move in your life? And do you want him to move? Are you willing to let him move? Because I'm here to tell you. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. Look at what it says in chapter 2. God did for us. At the moment you were sealed, chapter 2, verse 1 says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespass and sins. But I was already alive, preacher. You were physically alive, but you were spiritually dead. In verse 1, chapter 2, though, And you he made alive, who were dead in your trespass and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature, we couldn't help it, children of wrath, just as all the others, what others? All the ones that aren't saved by grace, who haven't been born again. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, he made us alive in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? He took away your sins and he replaced it with his spirit. And now you can have the potential to live again spiritually like we did before the fall in the garden. It's called regeneration. Listen what he says. We're getting close to praying and making a decision here. He says in the book of Titus, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by our works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through what? Through the washing of regeneration. How did he regenerate us? He washed away that which had marred us, that which had ruined us. He took it away with the blood and he made us ready for regeneration. Listen to what he says. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and he renewed us with the Holy Spirit. That scares some Baptists. You know what scares them? They don't have him. They don't know what he is. Friends, I'm going to tell you what. I wouldn't be able to do what I do. I wouldn't be able to stand. I wouldn't ever survive. Someone said, do you have to be spirit-filled to go to church? You've got to be spirit-filled to go get gas. You've got to get spirit-filled to go out the house if you want to walk with Jesus. And friends, today many of us are losing and we need revival. And I'm going to tell you today, 
Everywhere I look in my Bible, wherever people are living victorious, wherever people are living lives that please God, that they're overcoming the world, the Spirit of God is moving in that person's life. And you know the difference between a man who has him, who's living with him on his life and not. And I want to just play a song, this song that I've... It, it happened out there in my shop. All I can tell you is I'm sitting out there just me and Jesus and I'm just spending time with him on a regular basis now as good as ever since I got saved. I had times and not very long ago I wasn't right with God. I was probably righter than many but it don't matter if I'm better than most if I'm not right with the only one that matters. And I'm not perfect. I messed up just last week. But I said, Lord, I ain't quitting. You ain't got nowhere else to go. Lord, you're all I got, but you're all I need. And there's nothing better than you. That's what we've been singing. And I'm just sitting out here the other day. I, I like, I like um, gospel grass music. Y'all know what that is? Bluegrass gospel. And, and I found this song, and this song, I kept listening to it, and I had my Bible, and it just birthed this into my life. And God showed me, he said, I want your whole spirit. I want to take your body and I want to renew it and I want to restore it. And I want, you to, to, I want your body to be a vessel of honor to me. I want it to be sanctified. I want your soul while you live in that body to be blessed in that body. I want that body to be used for my glory. But for that to happen, you've got to let your spirit man rule. And for the spirit man to be in charge, I have to be in charge. You have to submit. You have to surrender. You have to quit be worrying about Marvin and what people think about Marvin. And you got to start worrying about me again and what matters in eternity. Because I'm going to tell you, when you take your last breath and the soul and the spirit depart this body, the most important thing that's going to be happening right there at that moment is what you did with this body and in this body. You might have the best looking corpse ever laid in a box. But that ain't going to be you no more. You may have had plastic surgery. You may have had everything done to make that thing look good. But friends, one day it's going to die, rot, and return to the ground from which it came. But the soul will live forever. And I ask you today, is the spirit move? Does it bless your soul? I just want you to listen to this. Who can be revived? He whom the spirit is moving in. That's who can be revived. Listen to this and then just let God do what he wants. Well, I thought we was. When this old world was void and darkness was upon the deep, the Spirit brought forth the light on worlds of cold. When God created man, he started with a chunk of clay. He breathed on man and he became a living soul. And the Spirit moved, the Spirit moved. When he made the land and when he made the man, it happened when the Spirit moved. When Ezekiel prophesied to the dry, dead, dusty bone, the Lord said, Son of man, can the bones arise? Ezekiel said, O oh Lord, only you can raise the dead. 
of God convicting me of sin He taught me to repent and to believe oh. of God came over you that unexpected you just went to church but that day the word of truth the gospel of your salvation penetrated your heart to the very core of your soul and you knew you were lost and you knew Jesus died for you and would save you and at that moment something happened you had faith you had courage you had something that didn't come from within you it came from without it was God's grace drawing you and bringing you to the place where you could be saved and when you got saved something happened you didn't know what it was at the time but now you think back God gave me life I'm a new creature now. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new because I am in Christ and Christ is in me. Today, there's no shame in getting up in an aisle and coming to Jesus and saying, I want the real thing. Religion's never saved anybody. There's more people in hell because of bad religion than all the sin put together because they trusted in their own self instead of Jesus. 
Jesus loves you. He died for you and he'll save you. And there's people in here that's saved today, but you can't remember the last time the spirit moved. You can't remember the last time. Brother David was in my office with me yesterday and we were talking and he said, where do you, how do you get your preaching? How do you get your sermons, Brother Marvin? And I was sitting there, well, you know, I do this. You know, the only thing I can tell you, Brother David, (laughs) when the spirit moves, I can't explain it. I just, I just get my Bible and spend time with Jesus and say, Lord, give me something. Speak to me. If it don't speak to me, it ain't going to speak to them. And he keeps showing me stuff. And I just keep giving what he gives me. And that's true. And everything that God does that has the ability to affect somebody else for his glory, it's not you that do it. It's not me. I've come up with a lot of sermons. Morvin came up with when they come from God. He did it. When the Spirit moved this morning, there's somebody here. You need to get saved. I'm not ashamed to tell you. I'm, I'm old time. I believe you ought to walk the aisle and give Jesus glory and come up here this morning and say, I've come to do business with Jesus. Today's my day and be saved. For those of us that are saved, if you want more than just come and enjoy good preaching, Brother Rocky's going to have it. Enjoy good music, Brother Philip's going to bring it. But if you want real revival, not spiritual entertainment, you can come. You'll like it. You'll even enjoy it. But I'm talking about if you want your life to be filled with the power of God and live a victorious spiritual life, and then you, you need revival. You need to get up here at this altar this morning and say, Lord, I've come. Move in me. This is your time. This is your moment. We're going to stand. This is what it was all for. All week's preparation of singing and practicing music, studying, spending time. It's for you right now to be saved if you're lost. And for if you're, if you're backslidden, if your life is not filled, if you're not where you ought to be with God, His grace brought you here today because He wants to make your life whole. Spirit, soul, and body completely sanctified for him. That's what God can do. He's faithful. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and I expect to see God moving by the end. Father, I just give away what you gave me. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. And I know me and Jonathan's been talking and fellowshipping in the office, and you're working in his life. Lord, we want more of you and less of us. And I know about people here, they want you, Lord. Let them not just listen and hear. Let them use this for your good for their good and your glory. And I pray right now, I know there's a lost person. He's struggling. I've been there. I know the battle that's going on. Give him the grace to come and give his life to you and trust you. And I know you'll seal him with your precious spirit and guarantee and make him ready till the day of redemption. Lord, help that person to do that right now. If you need to come, this is your time. For those of us who want revival, this is how revival starts, friend. Revival very seldom happens staying comfortable hidden in the pew. It happens getting before God and humbling yourself. If you need to come, now is your time.